Hello and welcome to another episode of Life's Toolbox. I'm Dana Bridgewater. I'm the moderator of this podcast. And I'm Marcus Bridgewater, a guy who really likes to talk about all kinds of things. So today's topic will be about my 35-minute birth, and we're going to discuss that experience, what led up to it, and some of the details that we went we went through. So, All right, Dana, talk to me. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about your uh experience it was unique mm -hmm. uh what made it unique well i guess we can start with a timeline of events so thursday night this is my due date at around 10 p.m get the first contraction not entirely sure what's happening but pretty sure it's happening and then those continued throughout the night maybe like once an hour so i got some sleep but it was disrupted and then friday morning came out with marcus to water the garden and was like you know what i actually can't do this i'm gonna go to the bathtub so the contractions continue to increase in severity and um, in, not duration, what's the word, and how often they came. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the word is for that? Um, frequency. Frequency. Mm -hmm. frequency. Um, and became pretty difficult. And then Friday morning at 4.30. Quick note of clarity, we actually went to the birthing center on a Saturday, so we called them 4.30 on Saturday morning, not Friday. We met them there at 5, and the baby was out by 5.48. Yes, that is pretty accurate in the recalling of events. Mm -hmm. So now, a lot of people hear birth mm -hmm. and think of birth as being a incredibly laborious, difficult, painful task. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how I pictured it. Um, I've seen a lot of movies and a lot of media that make me very conscious of how difficult it must be for um, ladies. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that difficulty? Yes, so labor is labor and there's no way to go about that, especially unmedicated. So I didn't have any epidural, I didn't have any sort of intervention in that regard. It was completely natural and it was difficult. There were some times where I thought, I see why people get the epidural, but because I was going to a birthing center, if I wanted to get an epidural, I would have had to go to a hospital and I wanted to have the birth at the birthing center as I had planned to. So in that moment, I'm thinking, I see why people want to get some support with this because this is excruciating. And in the beginning of the day, I was like, I'm not going to call it pain. Like, I'm just going to say that there's sensations and that the sensations are increasing in intensity. And then by like 5 p.m. on Saturday or on Friday, I was like, no, no, no. Like, this is pain. There's no way to deny that. That's mm -hmm. what it is. But there's a reason for that. My body was making room for something that it had never experienced before. So there's one thing to experience just the contractions and then the contractions when it's time to push. And at this point, the contractions are just the same, like they still hurt just the same, but you're also trying to push something through your body and there's a different level of discomfort. But in that moment, that was my motivation to push with everything I had so the contractions would stop. And I think that's why I had a shorter birth. Mm -hmm. Now, I can say that's why I think I did. I, I can't say for certain. There's so many things that could go into it, but in the moment, that's what I was telling myself. The more I put into it now and the harder I work, the sooner this will be over and I won't be in pain anymore and my baby will be here. Um, let's do, a, let's take a moment to separate the stages for a moment. There is a stage where you are growing the child we mm -hmm. call that pregnancy mm -hmm. right 
and now as pregnancy is coming to the end and is headed towards birth you go into this period where you are experiencing the beginnings of contractions mm -hmm. and that's the beginning of labor okay and so as you're going throughout labor right the contractions increase in frequency mm -hmm. and then you come to a point to where the contractions have culminated to the place to where now the contractions are actually engaging in you pushing mm -hmm. and that's called the birthing or what what, guess, what is I that called there's like early labor and then there's active labor early labor and, and active labor okay. i think the pushing is either the tail end of active labor and or, that's delivery yeah i, I suppose okay. so. another way maybe you could say is, is the delivering of the child the De delivering so one of the things that i found fascinating as a first-time father and as um a new parent someone learning about this process i've been a part of many births but being a part of the birth of my own child and also being a part of the birth while being a part of the entire process and seeing it from the pregnancy all the way through all the stages of the labor mm -hmm. not just the delivery part i saw how much effort went into the first part of labor before it became active there was so much to all of labor uh, so from thursday night to like friday afternoon yes from thursday night to friday afternoon there, there was so much building can you speak to the audience who doesn't know much about birth mm -hmm. right what it was like to feel this change that you knew was coming mm -hmm. but didn't know when it would come and then all of a sudden it has started so it was interesting because it was not at all what I anticipated because I felt most of the contractions in my back. Like I really did not feel anything in my uterus, in my abdomen, which is what I thought it would be. And the baby was not positioned in a way that leads to what is considered back labor. The baby was in what's considered the right position. Um, now that we know the baby was born eight pounds, five ounces, the theory is that it was just a large thing for my small frame and it was my hips <laughs> trying to make room. So when I started to feel the contractions, I didn't anticipate it being all in my hips and it was, it was uncomfortable. So to go from like, okay, it's 40 weeks, today's the day, um, any day now we're gonna have a little one to, okay, that was definitely this wave that you're told is what contractions are so it mm -hmm. begins it peaks and then it declines and that's the idea of the contraction so it goes up and then it goes down so that's what i felt i felt this pain begin intensify and then decrease and intensify and then mm -hmm. there was no more or i'll say discomfort at this point because it mm -hmm. wasn't pain mm -hmm. and so when that happens um and it had been different from the what's considered a braxton hicks contraction which is a pre-labor contraction that you might experience um leading up to birth I thought, okay, well, I think I came out and said to you, Marcus, like, you probably need to get prepared because I think mm -hmm. one of these days <laughs> we're going to be going to the birthing center. So anything you need to pack or mentally prepare for, mm -hmm. now's the time to do it. So your question was what it was like to go from nothing to feeling it. Mm -hmm. Well, I like to take things as they are. So I'm not someone who rushes into anything or likes to get ahead of myself. So 
in that moment I thought just because I felt this contraction and it feels like the beginning of something I still don't know how long I could be in early labor mm -hmm. I don't know when I'll be in active labor and you can only be admitted to the birthing center when you're five centimeters dilated mm -hmm. and so I thought okay well I guess we just wait and see how long this part of the process lasts for mm -hmm. and so the next day they were still maybe just once or twice an hour in the morning when I woke up and mm -hmm. then I think they started to increase from there so I don't know what it's like for for other people but for my experience it was trying to remind myself that the process is happening there's no need to rush into it mm -hmm. and there's also not much I can do you can try to induce labor and you can try to do things to speed it up but there's no guarantee you'll be successful mm -hmm. so there's in my opinion no reason to try to worry more than you need to. Mm -hmm. So you said several things there that I, I think are important. Um, one, being patient with yourself as you go through a process. And um, I think that we're living in a time where that kind of patience is hard to foster and hard to encourage mm -hmm. because in some ways being patient with you as you go through this process is allowing you to go through the pain is mm -hmm. allowing you to go through those waves as your companion someone who was watching you go through this unique sensation was very difficult but as your companion i also knew from the time we'd spent together preparing mm -hmm. right that this was something you wanted to do mm -hmm. can you speak to what it means to have support in such a time and what you encourage people who don't have support to look to do to try to compensate that's a that's a weighted question because there's two parts to it so I have to answer them one at a time so mm -hmm. the first part what was it like to have support mm -hmm. it's comforting to know you're not alone in that process and there were a lot of things you could not do for me at that time and I think I looked at you and I was like there's nothing you can do mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we're just in this process and it's not over until the baby's out so mm -hmm. this is where we are right now but it was still nice to know that you were nearby if I needed anything in that if I just didn't want to be alone, I could call you and you could come and, and be in the room with me for as long as I wanted your presence. Mm -hmm. If somebody doesn't have support, there's different ways I think about this. So one is maybe you think you have support going into the birth, but then your circumstances change and mm -hmm. maybe you're somewhere you don't plan to be. So the support you plan to have isn't there. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't have any close friends or family who you trust to experience it with you. Mm -hmm. So that's the easiest thing to answer. I'd say maybe there's a doula in your area who you could develop a relationship with ahead of your birth. Mm -hmm. And so that's a hired support. There might be some people who can volunteer their assistance, but that's one way to get support if you don't have any. Now, if you're in a situation where you plan to have support and you don't, speaking from the lens of seeking natural childbirth, which is um, no intervention until you know, baby's out and mm -hmm. you successfully have your baby, um, reminding yourself that we've been doing this since the dawn of our species. Mm -hmm. And countless women have had successful natural childbirths. And even though it's difficult, I like to think there's no reason why someone can't else. That's what I would tell myself. Mm -hmm. Just, even though it's difficult right now, many people have done this successfully throughout time and throughout history. And there's no reason why I can't either. I feel like my body's designed for this. And that mm -hmm. was something that 
I believed wholeheartedly and made myself remember and I think that helped me have the experience that I did and there were parts where I was like Marcus like there's no reason for you to be here right now because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do for me I, I think I just should be alone you can go do something else in the house because mm-hmm. it's difficult for you to watch me endure um, and in those moments when I was alone reminding myself I can do this because my body's been designed for this I'm capable of doing this it's difficult but I can endure and I guess you could consider those as mantras in a way. Like mm-hmm. in the moment, I didn't think of them as mantras or affirmations. Mm-hmm. But I suppose I was affirming my potential to complete the process. And I, I think it's important to note that you were being kind, mm-hmm. patient, and positive mm-hmm. with yourself in the thickness of the experience. And those who are alone have to be that much more of those traits, kind, patient, and positive with themselves as they're going through those kinds of experiences Mm -hmm. alone. Because without the kindness, you start to get yourself into a negative space, which Mm -hmm. only increases your heart rate and pushes you down a path where your body is fighting your body. Mm -hmm. And that increases the pain you'll experience. The patience is important because you try to rush this process, this process that is truly cosmic and is unique to just you, you also increase the potential for problems between you, your child, and all kinds of things. And so the the idea that what you're doing has purpose, has merit, is bigger than you, mm-hmm. has an outcome that is greater than you, and you don't have to... Um, be so bogged down by the weight of it um even if you are alone to know that you are a part of something that is greater than you i think aids many mothers who i've crossed since we've had our birth and i've had stories with them about how fortunate we were in our experience mm-hmm. and in the the process that you went through yeah and uh saying what they had to do themselves by themselves I see a, a line of consistency in all the mothers, mm-hmm. um, the kind, the patient, and the positive thought processes that they've elicited to bring about life. Yeah, and I think that kind, patience, and positive is probably the most important thing that we've talked about in the past few minutes because ultimately when you ask me the question, like, what advice do I have for anyone who's alone? I feel like it's easy for me to give it when I haven't experienced it, Mm, but I don't know what it's like to go through childbirth alone. Mm -hmm. I only know what it's like to go through it with someone who's been there for the duration of the pregnancy and who Mm -hmm. will be there with me at the birth. So I I feel like it's easy for me to say, oh, here's things you could do. And it doesn't mean that my advice has no merit, but it's not something that I feel the most qualified to speak on. Well, I'm glad for your sensitivity on such a a subject matter. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate that I, I had you part of the reason why I wanted to marry you is because I figured you'd be a good life partner and birth companion (laughs) but nonetheless I'm fortunate that I had you and that you were able to go through that with me but I only know no childbirth through the lens of having that level of support Mm -hmm. and there's some people who might have wanted even more support maybe they would have felt more comforted by your presence and Mm -hmm. would not have wanted to say like go do the dishes because there's nothing you can do right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there were times where I was experiencing the contractions and I was like like nothing's soothing anything so Mm -hmm. i might as well just be here while you go do something else Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we've been talking for a long time, and we're thankful for uh, any of you who are out there live right now. Uh, are there any live questions for Dana as we wrap up the podcast? Uh, there's a couple comments. Um, okay. Someone had said earlier um, that it helped them to tell herself that her body knows what it needs to do. Mm. And that's a, that's a big one wholeheartedly believing that the body knows how to go through this process helped me considerably because I didn't worry I was like I trust my body I trust that everything that has led me to get to this point happened because it was supposed to mm -hmm. it's growing life and the body knew how to do that and the baby should come out successfully and then someone else said everyone is different some women want the touch the voice the direct support of their partner uh it helps them get through definitely yeah mm -hmm. everyone wants something different mm -hmm. and it changes you know one minute you might want the support and the next minute you want to be alone and the next minute you want the support mm -hmm. and hopefully that you have you have someone there who is willing, willing to, to do come in and come the out, dance come in and come out. you know yeah. what i mean yeah it's like in in under a minute you might experience three different desires and you as the companion should be um willing and able to do the twister is so so to say <laughs> well i will say this i needed marcus's support for the actual delivery um so as we said we got to the birthing center around 5 a.m i was fully dilated at that point so i basically did all of the other laboring at home so i got into the birthing tub and because my hips had hurt so much literally throughout all of it it was all in my hips it was not at all in my uterus um in order to successfully push out the baby and I honestly believe the only reason I was able to do that in 35 minutes was because I had the midwife on one side and Marcus on the other supporting my hips and so I'd say like okay it's coming and they'd get into position and support my hips and then through that contraction I'd push and then okay it's over and I'm like okay get ready and so I was just calling them every time it was it was time for you guys to be there for mm -hmm. me and mm -hmm. that contributed to the swift delivery in my opinion so I needed your support there mm -hmm. and I think having your touch not only because I physically felt like I needed the support on my hips to alleviate the pain but also knowing you were there with me mm -hmm. was comforting and emotionally soothed probably any sort of when, feelings when that I had a lot of people hear that our delivery was so different Dana's ability to end delivery have only 35 minutes before we had a child 35 minutes of pushing is mm -hmm. not nearly as long as the hours and the days that I've heard from so many people and so we were really really blessed but one of the things I would love to acknowledge is that I think that blessing came from how prepared you made yourself mm -hmm. how how uh conscious of your mind body and spirit you decided to be mm -hmm. before ever actually going into the pregnancy i think so and it can be challenging to talk about birth and pregnancy because experience is vast and you could do everything in the way that you think is right and it might not yield the experience that you hope to have. And then you could know someone who does everything, quote, wrong, and then they have the experience you desire. And I think it's important to acknowledge, like, we can plan and we can prepare, but things still change. There's no guarantees in life. Mm -hmm. And that was something else that I reminded myself from the beginning, that just because I'm hoping to have this experience doesn't mean it's what will happen, and I need to be prepared, and I need to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. So mentally, that was something that I kept in mind. 
things could change at any minute. Mm -hmm. um, I can't be upset if it's not what I want. Mm -hmm. And I need to be able to do whatever I need to do to ensure the safety of my baby and my well-being. That's mm -hmm. the number one priority. And if that means going to the hospital, even though that wasn't what I anticipated, I would do it. Mm. Physically, um, another thing I was fortunate about is that I didn't have any tears or any issues from delivery. Mm -hmm. I, I stood up and the midwife handed me her arm to help me out of the tub and throughout the midwife uh, prenatal appointments we lay on our back they check our stomach and then they give us our arm to help us sit up and because I have really good ab strength and didn't really need the support like I would still take their hands and be nice but I, I didn't really need it so that was kind of like what was in my availability availability heuristic so then when she handed me her arm to get out of the birthing tub I didn't really feel like I needed it but I still took it because I thought you know I'll just give birth like I probably should take it for safety and she said wow like you're moving around really well and it hadn't even occurred to me that I was because I didn't ever think I should be in pain right now I just wasn't in pain and was happy that the baby was born <laughs> and mm -hmm, the contractions mm -hmm. had stopped um, and she thinks that the yoga I had done might have contributed to the perineum strength that I had and mm -hmm. why I did not tear because I guess that's more common especially for first time births mm -hmm. but that wasn't something that I experienced like with the contractions sorry with when the baby came out the contractions ended and so did the pain like for mm -hmm. me that was the end of pain of pregnancy mm -hmm. and I have not had any and, pain and since. when I read stories and I have conversations with other mothers that is a very unique experience mm -hmm. and I think that there are a lot of stories and a lot of ways of thinking about pregnancy that elicit fear and elicit a kind of um, pain to exist beyond the actual birth itself. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that in some ways, right, there are blessings like the story you have mm -hmm. where um, it was not something that carried on beyond the birth. Mm -hmm. um, you were able to transition into healing your internal wounds mm -hmm. um, rather quickly. Yeah. So I'll try to consolidate my answers because I feel like there's so many things I could touch on. So to the mind, body, spirit, in addition to what we've just talked about, mm -hmm. I think to the internal wounds and leading up to delivery, herbs. I had a mm -hmm. herbal routine that I had spent a lot of time researching before I became pregnant that I continued throughout my pregnancy and a lot of that was to tone the uterus and I think that contributed to the strength of the contractions um, and healing after birth the way that I did um, and then in the moment when we were talking about why else could have contributed to walking away from birth in great condition I think listening to my body, I'd spent a lot of time developing body awareness and strengthening the connection between my mind and body. Mm -hmm. And so you talked earlier in the podcast about how we often see these sensational depictions of birth in media and it's mm -hmm. screaming and they're running through the ER and like it's not even because anything like emergency is happening. It's just because they're trying to make like the, the movie more exciting. So it's like, oh, someone's going into labor. That's not how it is. Like unless you have an actual problem, um, mm -hmm. you're probably like walking to wherever you need to be. Maybe you're in a wheelchair, but they're not mm -hmm. rushing you unless there's an emergency. And a lot of times in, in TV, it's not an emergency. They're mm -hmm. just trying to make it more exciting. Um, I lost my train of thought. So we were talking mind, about body, spirit. mind, body, spirit. Um, I think I was focused. Oh, the mind, body, the, the mind and body connection. And so I spent a lot of time listening to my body. So in these depictions, you often see a doctor saying, push, push, push. And for me, 
I don't know how someone else could have told me when to push. Intuitively, I knew when I needed to push. It was when I hit the peak of the contraction or leading up to it, I knew when I needed to do it. Um, and I think that contributed to one, why I was able to deliver the baby in the time that I did, and two, why I didn't tear because I was not pushing my body in a direction that it was not prepared to go or could not go and also didn't need to because I didn't tear. So I feel like that suggests that I had an understanding of how I could do this without harming myself further. Mm -hmm. And so again, I think yoga, stretching, somebody asked what kind of yoga I did. I didn't do any specific discipline. I have access to the Peloton app and I found that to be one of the most incredible resources in my pregnancy because they have five minute classes, 10 minute classes, 20, 30, 45, 60 minutes. And so if some days I didn't feel like I could do a long practice and I just did 10 minutes, I was still being consistent. And I think it was the consistency of the yoga and stretching my body that may or may not have helped me, but I think it helped me considerably, mm -hmm. not only in understanding myself, but also stretching my body in a way that helped me in birth. Well, and that's a part of the reason why I thought it would be important to um, talk about this um, share it with the audience, share it with the greater public at large, because uh, as you said, there are a lot of sensational depictions of birth, and I don't know that there is enough stories from ladies who've had positive experiences sharing what their experience was and seeing where other ladies who've had positive experiences, where their stories align, so that future mothers can hopefully go down pathways that don't lead to um, more issues for them later on, don't mm -hmm. lead to uh, problems or uh, scares, you know? Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of reasons why, um, not just because birth is essential to all of us, but also because I don't know that we are respecting the processes that establish life enough. Mm -hmm. And so talking about these things I think is very important. And the last thing I'll say before we wrap this up is one of the reasons why I was happy to discuss this is because once I started uh, being pregnant, Instagram knew and, and the social media is new and they'd feed me videos about pregnancy, about delivery, about postpartum. And I think a lot of people make content just for views. So it's one thing to share your experience genuinely and it's another just to you know, stir the pot. You want people to comment things. And so I started seeing all these comments of people being like, you can't convince me childbirth is natural. Like this sounds absolutely horrible. Like I'm never having kids. Why would anyone do this? And if you don't want to have kids, that's perfectly fine. I'm not trying to convince you to do so. But if one of the reasons why you don't want to is because you're nervous about pregnancy, this is where I think it's important to listen to positive experiences and know that it is possible to have a good experience. Mm. Um, a lot of what we see on social media now again is just designed to make you watch the video read the comments comment yourself stimulate mm -hmm. engagement mm -hmm. which which is easier done through controversy than through actually mm -hmm. engaging in any learning so they'll focus on um provocative parts of the aspect like make a funny video about your first trip to the bathroom after pregnancy. And this is something that is you know I, I don't want to diminish the significance that may have for certain people but the way these videos are often done, I think, will now want to deter people from <laughs> pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And again, it's mm -hmm. like childbirth is natural because it's where we all come from. Like, so, it's where uh, our species it, comes exactly. from. Exactly. So, it's like it's older than yeah. civilization itself. 
when I see these <laughs> comments, crazy. they sadden me. And I think it's important that we do have positive birth experiences out there so people know that it is possible. And I, I don't believe my experience is just a fluke because no, a fluke so. is an anomaly. And if we are to say my experience is a fluke, well, then we have to say, why was every part of my pregnancy a fluke? I had a great pregnancy without many difficult symptoms. Um, I had a great delivery and was able to walk away fine. And my postpartum was also great. And so I completely acknowledge how fortunate I am to have had this experience. And I don't want to be like, oh, if you do absolutely everything I did, you'll have this experience too. Because as I said, there's no guarantees in life. And that was something that I reminded myself frequently. But I do think that it is possible to prepare yourself and that can contribute to the chances of you having the experience that you desire. And I think that's one of the reasons why I did, if not the most significant reason. Awesome. Well, thank right. you everybody for listening to us talk. I think this is the most I've ever spoken in one of our videos. Truthfully, I could talk about birth all day long. The whole experience has made me want to look into doula work because I'd love to provide birth support for other women going through this life-changing experience because it truly is transformative and it's a beautiful thing. It's something that we need to celebrate. Agreed, agreed. Well, I'm glad that you are willing to be vulnerable and candid about such a um, common but underappreciated and underrespected experience. Yeah, I feel like this was the short version. Mm -hmm. We can do another like two hour, <laughs> two hour talk. All right, everybody. Well, um, thank you guys so much for joining us. All right, let us end this with some breathing. Before I wrap up the podcast, you want to say oh, where yeah. it is? Or? Uh, you, you could tell everybody. Well, for everyone who's listening live, this will be on the Life's Toolbox podcast, which you can stream from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. It's also going to be on our YouTube channel, Choice Forward. So if you would like to listen to anything again, that is where you can do it. Or if you know anybody else who would benefit from this, then you could send them in that direction. Also, we have other podcast episodes. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, you might want to check that out again. It is called Life's Toolbox with Marcus Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. We hope you check it out and keep up with what we do. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. I hope that you have a great rest of your day. Please breathe with me. All right, let's breathe. Hold that breath. And release. All right, everybody, have a beautiful rest of your day. And remember, share kindness, patience, and positivity with yourselves and each other so that we can build stronger communities and healthier environments and we can all grow together.